to a cripple and they stand right up and walk who can cause the deaf and dumb to hear and start to talk who can calm a fevered brow by saying let it be just a little bit of clay touch them in a way their blinded eyes can see telling you he can and I know that he crumbling in for no one's ever done what he's done he laid down his life but he rose to live again and what can cause an old man that's about to say goodbye to lift up both of those dying hands with the tear running from his eye with his loved ones gathered all around him, smile and say, don't fear, for the one that brought me through the storm will lead me on from here, telling you he can, and I know that he'll stand by your side when the world comes crumbling And they stand right up and walk Who can cause the deaf and dumb To hear and start to talk Who can calm a fevered brow Saying let it be Just a little bit of clay Touch them in a way their blinded eyes can see Telling you he the uh, stand guard of all of our walks with God. We quote it so very often, and I'd like for you to quote it with me tonight. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number one. Would you quote it with me? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Would you turn to your neighbor and look him right square in the eye and say it to them, would you? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I want to minister to you tonight on faith's finest hour. 
faith's finest hour. Would you ask God to speak to our hearts tonight? Jesus, we come, Lord, to you tonight, desperately needing you, dear God, and wanting, Lord, to, God, be used by you. We're asking you tonight, Lord, that you would touch us with a coal off of thine altar. Let us, dear God, minister the words of truth, dear God, and salvation to this congregation. Dear God, I'm asking for the diseased bodies to be healed. Dear God, the It had happened many, many, many years ago when pilots first would leave the runway and after they would reach a certain point in the sky, they would discover a barrier that was in the sky that they could not go through. It came to be known as the sound barrier and it was at such times that those pilots would reach that place, that invisible wall that they could not seem to penetrate, that their plane would, would uh, shake and quiver and almost disintegrate right there in midair because of the force of what was called the sound barrier. It was not until October the 14th, 1947, that a man by the name of Chuck Yeager stepped into a plane and sat down at the controls with the determination that he knew how to go through the sound barrier. I picked up a book here not long ago on Chuck Yeager's life and began to read parts of his story there in the bookstore as I looked at the book and as I read some of his thoughts that went through his mind at the time that he sat down at those controls, he sat down with such thought that there's got to be a way through. There's got to be a way to penetrate it. Even though pilots have returned to, to the runway defeated numbers of times, there's got to be a way to go through the sound barrier. And when he left the runway that day, he left with the determination, I'm going to find a way through. He reached that point in the sky that all the other pilots had always reached. That invisible wall, his plane began to shake. It began to quiver. He lost forces of power within his plane. The observers on the ground stood with their mouths wide open as they watched his plane begin to shake and quake and midair. And as he began to fumble with the controls on that plane, he got to turning knobs and pulling back on the throttle. And all of a sudden, as he pulled back on that throttle and began to boost the power of that plane, he penetrated the sound barrier and found a realm of flight on the other side of that barrier that no other pilot had ever found until Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier October the 14th, 1947. When he returned to the ground, he returned a hero because he had broken the sound barrier. Many of you tonight in this building, I included, are facing invisible walls in front of our lives. Barriers that we cannot seem to penetrate. Walls that we cannot seem to go through. Confusion that we cannot seem to bust through. Many of us, even in our prayers, pray like we're beating our heads against brick walls. We pray like our 
wall, like our head is vibrating off of the walls and bouncing against the carpet. And we cannot seem to get through. But I want you to know that even though the carnal mind would cite all kinds of reasons why that you cannot have your prayers answered, and even though the carnal mind would cite all kinds of reasons why you cannot have what God has promised to you, if you'll just play with the controls of the Spirit just a little bit and begin to pull back on the throttle of the Holy Ghost, don't return back to the runway defeated. Don't stand and look at that blank wall. Just begin to fumble with the controls of the Spirit just a little bit and pull back on the throttle of the Holy Ghost. You're going to find a realm of flight on the other side of your confusion that you've never found before when you break through by faith in God's Word. The carnal mind would try to cite every reason that it could possibly cite why you can't have your prayers answered. The carnal mind would try to cite every reason you could possibly imagine of why God will not do things for you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care what happens to you. God's not interested in what turns out in your life. And God doesn't care about the things that develop in your home. And he could care less about the frustration you're facing right now those are lies out of the pits of hell and if you'll take a hold of faith in the word of God you can break through the walls that are standing in front of you you hear me tonight from the book of Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 20 he says that nothing shall be impossible with you there is not a wall that faith cannot penetrate there is not a confusion that faith in God cannot walk through there is not a frustration that faith in God's word cannot knock down. All you need to do is just get a hold of faith in God's word. Pull back on the throttle of the spirit and you're going to go through. I got just enough kid in me that I like to go to the supermarket and malls where they have these electric doors. <laughs> That's fun. You walk up to those electric doors and you put your foot on that pad. Just as soon as you put your foot on that pad, that door flies open and you walk through. Just like somebody invisible opened the door. Now they got these little lights that seize you from, from up at the top and they detect movement in front of that door. And just as soon as they detect movement in front of that door, they, they, they open up. I, I like to walk up in front of them and then watch that little thing and just see how close I can get to the door before the thing will open up. Friend, I want you to know some of us are standing in front of doors and brick walls, jumping with everything we got, trying to find a way over. Giving it everything we got, trying to get over the problem and the difficulty. We wear ourselves out trying to trying to reach the top, trying to somehow get a foothold on the top of the wall when all you've got to do is step on the pad in the name of Jesus Christ and the door will swing back in front of you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. There is victory in faith in God's word. 
There is nothing that can stand in front of the child of God if he really wants to penetrate the problem. There is no frustration that can stand in front of those that believe in the word of God if he really wants to go through. I believe we want to go through tonight. I believe we want to go through the barrier. I'm proclaiming we're going to go through it in Jesus' name. Not only sometimes does our, our frustrations and confusions become barriers to us and our plain lack of faith in God's word, but oftentimes we live in a wishing world attitude. We act like little children that come to the wishing well and we drop our pennies into the wishing well wishing for God to move. I wish that God would heal my body. I wish that God would deliver. I wish that God would give victory. I wish that God would do this and that. Uh, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is not faith. Hope is not faith. Hope is future tense. Hope is down the road. Hope is somewhere in the distance. Hope is not in the present, but hope is in the tomorrows. Hope is someplace else. It's not anything that happens immediately. Hope is something you wish for down the road. But faith is now. Faith is present. Faith doesn't wish. Faith doesn't dream. Faith doesn't even imagine. Faith just believes that it is now. Would you please, in the name of everything sacred and holy, quit bringing your pennies to the wishing well of God's prayer and dropping your pennies in, hoping and wishing for a move of God but instead start claiming and believing that it is now. You'll find out real quickly, and if you haven't in two weeks, you'll discover real fast that I'm kind of strange and odd in some things. You can criticize me for my theology if you want to, but don't try to straighten me out because I don't want to be straightened out. I've heard end time revival preach since I was about this high. Man, we're going to have a move of God. God's getting ready to move. God's getting ready to pour out the Holy Ghost. God's getting ready to send in a revival that we cannot contain. Man, God's getting ready to save the world. And ever since I've been this high, God's been getting ready. And I've been wondering when he's ever going to get around to it. And then right behind God getting ready to give a revival, some preacher gets up and says, Jesus is coming tomorrow. And then I get confused, wondering if God's going to send a revival or if he's coming. Which one's coming first, the rapture of the church or the revival? Friend, I know the answer to the problem. You can look for revival if you want to. You can dream about it in the future if you want to. You can talk about God getting ready for it if you want to. But I believe we're in revival. All we need to do is get with the program and have revival. The reason why we have never had it is because we're still dreaming and hoping and wishing if we would just start believing that it's here. Believing souls sitting on the pews. Believing for sinners in the altar. Believing for search for truth home Bible studies. Believing for God to move. God would send a revival that we could not contain.
seen in the United Pentecostal Church. If we could only get a hold of some now faith in God. By his stripes, I wish I'm healed. By his stripes, I dream I'm healed. By his stripes, I hope I get healed. <laughs> no, sir. By his stripes, I am healed. That's now faith. We believe it. It's going to happen. And we stand on it, standing on the promises of God. They're all mine in faith. Because I believe that it's going to happen. We could ever get out of our hope world and our dream world and our wishing world and just start believing. God will move like he's never moved before. There was a young lady that called while we lived in Christchurch, New Zealand. Christchurch is not the name of our church. Christchurch is the name of a city on the South Island of New Zealand. And uh, while we were there, there was a young lady that saw our ad in the paper. She called one day and mom answered the phone and she asked her, she said, can I come to your church? Mom said, well, sure. Be glad to have you come. She said, well, before I come, let me tell you why I want to come to your church. She said, I belong to a large church, and she named the church there in town. It was a very large church. She said, then I've been going there, but they've asked me to not come back anymore because my baby cries too much. And so my mother proceeded to ask her why her baby cried. And she said, well, you see, my baby was born with a chalk spine. It had holes in its spine, and it did not have the ability to control the movements of its body. It just laid lifeless in that mother's arms, just hanging its neck and holding its arms out because it had no ability to control and keep his body rigid and therefore creating pain in that body. They had given it an anesthetics to try to kill the pain but there was no way to kill it the neighbors had even called the police and asked for the mother to be evicted from the neighborhood because it cried so much at night that it disturbed the neighbors around mom said well sure go ahead and come and bring your baby she did not know what she was asking for when that mother brought that baby into service that night we had service in a the primary or the Burnside primary school hall it was kind of like what they'd call a gym here, except it, it was just a little different. And that baby's voice, it echoed off of the steel beams. It echoed off of the hardwood floor. It vibrated off of the walls. No Pentecostal preacher could preach over it. No Pentecostal singer could sing over it. You couldn't shout over it. You couldn't get around it. That baby had one set of lungs on it to match all set of lungs. That baby knew how to cry. <laughs> Finally, some of, the, some of the ladies in the church picked the, picked the baby up so the mother could enjoy service and took it outside to our nursery that we had outside. That's the only place we had for one, out on the front porch. They took the baby outside so the mother could enjoy service. This went on like that for about a month, and it was getting bad. You could understand why they asked her not to come back. You could understand why they didn't want her in service. That baby knew how to disrupt things. 
finally one that one Sunday night that mother brought that little baby holding her, that little baby in her arms down the aisle and stood there before my father and said I want you to pray that God will touch my little boy that God will heal him dad reached out and laid his hands on that little baby and prayed and said in Jesus name God I want you to cause it to stop crying right now in the name of the Lord and it was just like he found the on and off button that baby was crawling from the time she started up the aisle until the time she stood at that front that baby was crawling but when dad started praying that baby immediately I mean immediately became quiet and still voice quietening down it didn't cry the rest of the night but on Monday morning after prayer on Sunday night Monday morning after that mama had fumbled with the controls on Sunday night trying her best to get through an invisible wall a wall that the doctor said that you'll never go through that baby will always be like that on Monday morning after apostolic prayer on Sunday night that baby ends up in the hospital with double pneumonia can you believe that after prayer on Sunday night for the baby to get well it ends up in the hospital with double pneumonia but I really believe it was the will of God because while that baby was there for double pneumonia the doctor got to checking its spine and the doctor came in and told the mother said I don't understand this I know that baby I've done research on that baby that baby has got a normal spine like it was supposed to have been born with ha <laughs> <laughs> ha just fumble with the controls a little bit. Just pull back on the throttle and you go through the invisible walls that stand in front of you. A baby that had double pneumonia on Monday morning was released from the hospital Wednesday afternoon with no double pneumonia and no chalk spine. Sunday night it was in church, sitting up in its mother's arms. The next Sunday night it was walking along the pews. The next Sunday night it was walking by itself. I'm telling you all you need to do is just get your hand on the throttle and pull back. There's not a barrier that can stand between you and God when you have faith in God. Now faith, now faith, now faith, now faith, now faith, now faith, now faith. Glory. When you have faith in God, there is nothing that can stand between you and that supersonic realm of miracles and deliverance that God wants to give you. Friend, I'm telling you, faith is getting ready to have its finest hour that it's ever had before because people are getting ready to release their trust and confidence in God. And we're seeing more happening than we've ever seen before because people are believing in a God that's real. They quit trusted in the mechanisms of the world. They've quit trusting in philosophies. They have quit trusting in the scholastic standards. They have quit trusting in the business world and the political scene. And they have started trusting in God. The motto of our nation still needs to be the motto of the world. In God we trust. Faith in God. 
Now this kind of faith just don't happen. It just don't pop into being. It don't just happen to arrive. This kind of faith happens because it's built on a foundation. And that foundation is none other than the Word of God. When faith is built on the Word of God, there is nothing that can stand between you and what you want. When faith is built upon the mechanisms of the world, you will never obtain it. When faith is built upon the trust of society and your neighbors and your friends and your relatives and everybody else around you, you will never get to the wall. But when faith is built on the word of God, there is nothing, there is not a mountain, there is not a problem that can stand between you and God. The word is the foundation for faith. I'm told the story of missionary Carl Adams that was one time in the Philippines. Some years ago, his father had went into the hospital for gallbladder surgery, and while that he was there, they found out that he had cancer of the pancreas. The doctor sewed him up and said, there is no hope for him. The boy said, we're going to believe God that God's going to heal that dad. The doctor says, go ahead and believe, but that guy is doomed and destined for death. There is nothing that can do anything for him. They checked him out of the hospital. He went from 178 pounds to 123 pounds. Cancerous sores broke out all over his body. He was in an awful condition. But one night while he lay in his bed, he got the word of the Lord, and he got to reading it. And he got to studying it. And he got to quoting it. And he started quoting such scriptures as Psalms 107 and verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. The book of Exodus chapter 15 and 26. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities. And healeth all of thy diseases. Oh, dad Adam says, God, I believe it. I'm standing on and I'm trusting in it. God, I'm going to believe that you've healed my body. The next morning, he got up, and he went into his wife that was standing at the kitchen. He said, Mom, fix me some breakfast. She turned around and looked at him, and she said, Dad, God has healed your body. Yes, he had. The cancerous sores disappeared. The cancer inside disappeared. He returned back to the pulpit and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ because when you put faith and the word together there is not a problem that can stand between you and God I'm firmly convinced in fact I know it as a matter of fact that we would have more miracles in our homes if the word of God was placed on the coffee table instead of the sum of the books that are there We'd see more miracles in our families if the Word of God took priority in our lives. We would see more miracles in the church if the pastor's hands was released to preach what God gave him to preach and let the Word of God go forth the way God wants it to go forth because faith and the Word of God is joined together. Faith cometh by and hearing by 
Oh, yes, it does. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Pray tell me, honey, how you can have faith and never come to church. Pray tell me how you can have faith and never come to the house of God. Pray tell me how you can have faith and go to some in some kind of drive-in church. Pray tell me how you can have faith and have dollar prayer. Pray tell me how you can have faith and have some kind of cottage prayer meeting. I'm telling you, you can't. The only way you can have faith is get in a church where the word, where the word, where the word, where the word is preached. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, it ought to be preached with authority. It ought to be preached with might. It ought to be preached courageously. It ought to be preached boldly because there's power in the preached word of God. Heaven can pass away. Oh, yes, it can. The Bible tells us that the stars are going to fall out of their sockets. Heaven can pass away. Earth can pass away. Peter said that the earth is going to be melted with a fervent heat. Earth can pass away. But there's one thing that will never, ever, a thousand times never pass away. And that is the word of God. It will live forever. Let me go back and repeat it again. Madeline Murray O'Hare cannot destroy it. Acts of Congress cannot destroy it. Acts of the Senate cannot destroy it. Don't worry about it, friend. I want you to know the Word of God will stand forever. It'll stand when the world is on fire. Put your trust in the Word of God. (laughs) They tell me I've never heard it. But they tell me somebody put out a tape with all the scriptures of healing on it. And that people's been listening to that tape. Somebody within our own organization did it. Put together on one tape all the scriptures of healing. And I've been told people have been listening to that. And not the tape, but just the quoted word of God coming off of it has caused bodies to be healed and lives to be changed because there's power. There's power. There's power in the Word, in the Word of God. That's the reason why people get the Holy Ghost when we preach the Word. That's the reason why people get healed while the Word is being preached. That's the reason why people get strength is when the Word is being preached because faith is developed by the Word. You've probably already learned in two weeks that I'm not much of a preacher to tell a whole bunch of stories. Number one, I was raised by daddy. They never did it that way. My daddy, when he preached a message, he got him a Bible character and he preached that one. And then he got him another one to illustrate that one. And then he usually got him another one to illustrate that one. Friend, telling your stories is all right. We can be inspired by faith by a story. 
but there's only one way to get real inspiration and that is just take the book and start preaching just take the book and start reading the Bible let not your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I wouldn't have told you so I go to prepare a place for you and if I go away I shall come again oh yes and whether I go you know and the way you know I am the way the truth and the life that'll inspire faith I said that'll inspire faith hold us lift our hands and thank him for the word right now The Word's doing its work tonight. I said the Word is doing its work tonight. You see, faith to operate it properly. There's a formula that must be used to put faith into operation. Number one, we must first of all learn to ask. Asking is the key to having faith unlocked in our hearts. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not. And then some of them fit in the other category. They have not because they ask amiss. They ask to consume it upon their own lust. That's why they don't have any. Friend, you're not going to get nothing from God until you open your mouth and ask him for it. Now, I know that goes against our self-sufficient, egotistical ideas. Independence, you know. And uh, I've been told I'm independence personified. My daddy's told me since I was real little that I was the independent most creature he ever saw. And my wife nods her head, yes. But we will never. Matter of fact, my kid's one year old and I already see independence in him. Walking down the sidewalk the other day and reached down to hold his hand so he wouldn't get out in the street. I walk by myself. I don't need your help. (laughs) Some of us are that way in the spiritual realm. We don't ever ask because we're too independent to ask. We don't ever have anything from God because that we're too self-sufficient. We're too proud to ask God. Bless God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I can handle it all by myself. I don't need your help. I don't need his help. I don't need nobody's help. I'll take care of everything by myself. You just go ahead. I've already tried it and it all messes up that way. The best way to do it is if you want anything, just come and ask God for it. Some of us have got too big to crawl up on daddy's knee and put our arm around his neck and say, Daddy, I love you. I love you a whole bunch, Daddy, and I need something from you. My God, would you take away our pride and our self-sufficient spirit and our independent attitudes until we can come back and ask God for what we need. Amen. Brother Character, come here. 
When I was growing up, I used to come up to my daddy. He'd stand there and talk. And I'd come up to daddy and I'd poke him. Hey, daddy. 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 And I thought he was never going to hear me. And finally, he looked down at me and said, What do you want? <laughs> I had his attention when I said, Daddy. That was the name that got his attention. And when he heard it called, he knew that his son was wanting some more money. Maybe that's the why, why he ignored me. Some of us apostolics, we know the name backwards and forwards. I mean, we can explain one God. We can put it in baptism. We can put it in the Holy Ghost. We can put it in, in, in repentance. We can put it in the Father. We can put it in the Son. We can put it in the Holy Ghost. I mean, we know that name better than we know our own name. And when anything ever happens, we pace the floor. I mean, just as soon as we get up, something happens. Something takes place. Jesus! Hey, Jesus! Jesus! Hey, Jesus! Jesus! And we pull at his coattail. Jesus! Oh, Jesus! And I wonder sometimes if he isn't looking out of heaven saying, What do you want? <laughs> You've called my name because just as soon as I understand the Bible right, just as soon as you call that name, thank you, just as soon as you call that name, heaven comes to attention. Angels stand upright. Just as soon as you say that name, he leaves his throne and said, somebody call me, here I am. But we expect God, even though he can, but we expect him to tell us what we want. The Bible says, make your petitions and requests known before God. When you call that name of Jesus, you've got his attention. After you got his attention, start asking. Start making your petition and request known before God. Hey, God, I need a job. Hey, God, I need some extra money. Hey, God, I need a prayer answered. Hey, God, I need healing. Hey, God, I need deliverance. Spell it out before him. Lay the bill before him. Lay the problem before him. Spread the letter before him. Tell him about it. Ask and you shall receive. There's power in asking God for what we need. There was a young lady and her husband came into the church some years ago, back in about 1972, 71, 72, something like that. And they had a little girl that had been born and had a, she was a waterhead, a hydrocephalics. She had no tube in her head to, 
to drain the water off of her, her brain and to her body. They'd put her in the hospital and done numbers of surgeries to try to correct the problem and uh, get, get rid of it. They'd put a man-made shunt in. And uh, then due to rapid growth, when she got to be about four or five years old, due to rapid growth, that shunt pulled out of the organ of the body where they had it. And her head began to swell again and severe headaches. They put her back in the hospital, but this time they was not quite so fortunate to find a place to put that shunt. Every organ in her body rejected that man-made tube. She went through some six, seven operations in six or seven months. Her head looked like it had been through a hamburger grinder. Her hair shaved off of her head. She looked a, a pitiful sight. One night, the, angel, the, the nurses came running out of the hospital room and calling for the doctor, saying, you better come quick. Something's happening. When the doctor arrived, her fingernails were beginning to turn blue. Her lips were turning blue. They could not find a pulse rate, a heartbeat. She was at death's door. She was just ready to die. The doctor looked at that father and said, Mr. Rollins, I'm sorry, but your girl won't make it and I can't do nothing else for her. My dad tried to prepare the young man for, for death. Finally, that young man turned around and looked at my dad. He said, uh, Brother Borders, he said, if she dies, she dies. And if she dies, I'm going to love God and serve him anyway. But he said, I believe, and it was about 15 minutes after 11 o'clock at night. He said, I believe by midnight, God's going to heal my girl. He found his way into the chapel of that hospital. That chapel had probably never heard praying like went on there that night. I mean, he prayed. And when the chapel got tired of hearing his prayer, he walked the halls outside of her room. God, heal my little girl. God, don't let my little girl die. God, heal her. God, heal her. God, heal my little girl. God, take care of my little girl. God, would you, would you not let my little girl die? In your name, Lord. And he walked that floor. At 15 minutes to 12, the nurses came out hanging their head, saying we can't do anything else. She's ready to die. She was closer to death then than she was at 15 minutes after 11. At 10 minutes to 12, the nurses came back out of the room saying it is useless. There is nothing that we can do. At five minutes to 12, all of a sudden the nurses come running out of that hospital room, racing for the doctor, saying, doctor, come quick, something's happening in this room. And by the time the doctor had got there, color was coming back in her fingernails. It was coming back in her lips. Her pulse rate started climbing up. Her heartbeat started climbing up. The next morning she was sitting on the bed begging for breakfast from her mama because her daddy knew how to ask God for what he wanted. They took her down and ran test on her. And when they ran test on her, the doctor came back with this report. He said, I don't understand it. It's not medical for it to happen this way. But he said in the last test I just made on her, he said there is a tube in her head like she was supposed to have been born with. I didn't put it there. I don't know how it got there, but there's one there. Ask and you shall receive. Ask 
and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. They said because of the high fevers that that little girl had while she was in the hospital that her brain would be fried and that she would be mentally retarded because of it. She enrolled in school that fall. When her parents went to a parent-teacher conference, the teachers came back with this report. She is the smartest girl I've got in my class. She is smart as a tack. I want you to know that God answers the prayer of those that get a hold of the throttle and pull it back. You can go through the barrier by asking, by asking, by asking. Anybody too proud here tonight to ask? Anybody too egotistical to ask tonight? Anybody too proud to climb up on daddy's lap and ask him for something? about faith finest hour that's about to happen in some of your lives if you'll just start asking oh yes 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 yeah 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 just start asking just start asking Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and praise him right now. Hallelujah. God, in the name of Jesus, touch him, Lord. Deliver him, dear God. Deliver him, dear God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Ha-ha. Glory. Glory. Praise God. My Lord. (sighs) That second principle is this. After we have asked, we must believe. After we have asked God, then we must believe God for a move of the Holy Ghost. You see, many of us know how to ask, but we don't know how to believe. You say, oh, but Brother Borders, I prayed. Yeah, we get down on our knees and pray, God, I need this and I need that. And then when we get up, we proceed to take care of the problem like we never did pray. Friend, if you're going to have faith in God and believe God, when you get up from praying, you're going to have to still believe in the God you prayed to and the God that knows how to answer prayer. Some of us only pray out of religious and moral obligation because we've been raised that way, because we think it's right, but we don't really believe in it. You're looking at one preacher tonight that believes in the power of prayer and believes in the God that hears prayer. And whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have, he shall have, he shall have whatsoever, whatsoever, whatsoever he saith, believe, believe, believe. 
Man had Bell palsy. Man had Bell palsy one time. His mouth was drawn to one side. His eye was swollen open. He could not shut or close his eye, close or open his eye. The doctor told him because he could not close or open his eye, that his eye would literally dry up and fall out. He'd have to tape it shut at night to keep moisture in his eye. He came forward one one afternoon for my father to pray for him. Dad prayed for him. Nothing happened. No miracle took place. A few days later, Dad saw him and said, Brother Nance, how do you feel? His mouth was still drawn like this. His eye was still swollen open. He said, I'm doing all right. He said, God's going to heal me. A few days later, dad said, Brother Nance, how you feeling? His mouth was still drawn like this and his eye was still swollen open. He said, how you doing? He said, Brother Porters, don't worry about it. You prayed. That's all that was necessary. And when God gets ready, he's going to do it. With his mouth still drawn like this and his eyes swollen open, he kept on believing in the prayer he prayed and the God he prayed to. In a few days, he went back to the doctor and the doctor said, I've never seen anybody get over this. But his mouth was going back in place and his eye was coming back natural. And God finished the work when you prayed. The third principle to get faith to work is one that has revolutionized my thinking on a lot of things. It has worked for the Borders family. I tell it about everywhere I go because I want it to work for everybody else. The first two principles are ask and believe. I was sitting in Chicago, Oklahoma back about two years ago. And the pastor was telling me a story of an evangelist that had a little old car and he wanted a truck and trailer to evangelize in. But he couldn't get the truck and trailer and he wanted to evangelize so he did it in that little old car. And so he would pull up to corners to make right hand turns in this little old car. And he'd pull way out in the middle and he would cramp the tires just as tight as he could cramp them. And he would turn around that corner. He'd look over at his wife and he would say, honey, do you think that the trailer's gonna miss the curb? She'd say, honey, I believe you're gonna make it. (laughs) When they would pull into malls to go shopping, I'm going to put a sign on the back of my trailer. This trailer stops at all malls. When they would pull into malls to go shopping, they would pull. Hey, evangelist spends a lot of times in malls. If this snow persists Monday, I may be at one. When they'd pull into a mall to park, he'd pull across two parking spots with that little old car trying to park that big rig. (laughs) Hey, that's funny, but somebody gave him a truck and trailer. (laughs) At that time, I had a little old four-door white Buick Skyhawk. (laughs) 
I had it when I was pastoring, but it was too tiny to evangelize in, but I was doing it. But there was something I wanted worse than a trailer. I told you part of it the other night, and that is we wanted a child in our home real bad. And the doctor said we couldn't have one and that there was no way to get one. It was medically impossible to have one. I left Chicota, Oklahoma on my way for California and driving across no man's land of New Mexico and Arizona. I looked over at my wife and I said, honey, if it works for trailers, it ought to work for babies. Somebody says you're exaggerating for the point of a sermon. This is not evangelistic exaggeration. We really did it. My wife took her arms and she cradled a baby and rocked it back and forth. I took my finger and stuck it under its chin and said, Kitchy, kitchy, goo. I really did. I mean, when you want to go through a wall, you do anything, friend. It just depends how bad you want to get through it. Now, if you want to stay on this side of, of gravity, that's fine. But I want to get on the other side of the wall because there's a realm of flight that no man's ever known until you get over there. That was in April of 85. In August of 86, they told me I was going to be a daddy. In March, or August of 85, they told me I was going to be a daddy. In March of 86, I want you to know when you have asked and you have believed, then you've got to start acting like you've already got it. Don't nobody do this. Don't nobody do it unless God tells you to. If God tells you to, that's fine. But don't do it because I'm saying it. But there was a lady one time that had problem with diabetes. She said in a Pentecostal apostolic service and she heard faith preached one night and she believed in that service that God was going to heal her body. And she went home and took all of her medicine that they gave her for that ailment and she dumped it down the stool and pushed the lever and flushed it. She said, if God healed me in there of that, she said, I'm just going to act like I've already got it. And she dumped it down the stool and believed it. And did you know God took her diabetes away and completely healed her of the problem? when you've asked and you believed and you start acting like you've already caught it, you're getting ready to go through the wall, friend, and God is going to give you a miracle. Amen. Now that's not just my principle, that's a biblical principle. The Bible tells us the story of blind Bartimaeus to sit on the side of the road and he cried and begged, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They said, hush up, old boy. Be quiet. He don't want to hear you. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Hush up, boy. Oh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He wore a cloak 
that was given to him by the government that meant he was a legalized professional beggar. He was authorized by the governor or by the government to beg for alms on the side of the street because he was a blind man. But he believed so strongly that once he got God's attention and God came by his way that he wasn't going to need to beg no more. You know what the Bible says blind Bartimaeus did? The Bible says he took off his coat and he threw it to the side. He said, you know, once I get to Jesus, I'm going to be illegal. I'm not going to have the right to beg no more. So I just might as well go ahead and take this thing off. And when he got to Jesus, Jesus touched him and healed him of his blinded eyes. What some of us need to do is get our coats off and act like we've already got it. We're holding on to a crutch. We're holding on something to stand on. In case God don't come through, what you need to do is get rid of your crutch. Get rid of that dependence you have and start acting like you've already got it. God, I've worn this thing long enough. And I believe once I get to you that God, I'm going to get healing and deliverance and victory. And so, dear God, I'm just going to act like I've already got it. Here's my coat, Lord. You can have it. I'm going to believe you for a miracle. Anybody want a miracle tonight? Anybody want a miracle tonight? Anybody want a miracle enough that you'd act like you've already got it? Anybody want a miracle bad enough? You just go ahead and take your coat off and act like you've already got it. And then you see, you are guaranteed. You are absolutely, positively guaranteed a miracle because of Calvary. When you put those three principles, ask, believe, and act like you've already got it into the redemptive work of Calvary, you are guaranteed a miracle. When that old demon looked up at that cross and he watched the Lord take his final breath and die. And then he watched for the spear to come by and plunge him in the side and blood and water roll out. And then he stayed just long enough to finish his mission and watched him put the great rock of ages in the tomb and then roll the little pebble over in front of it and seal it. He knew, he knew that it was over and victory had finally been won for hell. And that old demon went back to hell. He said, bells above, bells above, bells above. It's, it's done, it's done. Your plan worked, boy. You are a beautiful conniver. He's dead. I watched him. He took his last breath. They put a spear in the side. That old boy ain't ever going to come back again. He 
is forever in the tomb. And I watched him seal it. He's not ever going to get out. I mean, he is under. He's dead. D-E-A-D, dead. And hell broke out into one of the biggest parties it ever did break out with. Bells above dumped, jumped, and danced, and shouted, and hollered, and screamed, and, and danced through his fiery coals, and all of the hell went in chaos. And all of a sudden, one of those demons come running back to the devil and say, I don't mean to interrupt things, and I don't mean to be a wet blanket or a party pooper, but something's happening on the outside of the gates. What is it? Well, it's, he's kind of got a glow all around him. He's got a white robe over him. And there's something authoritative about him. The devil says, I knew it was going to happen. I hoped it wouldn't, but I knew it was a coming. I would hope that he would forget disappointment, but I see he's going to keep it. And about that time, the gates of hell fall off of the hinges and the Lord comes walking in to the fiery coals of hell. Yeah. Yeah. He comes walking into the fiery coals of hell and he looks the old devil right square in the eyeball. He says, boy, give me the keys to death and the grave. And the devil trembling hands the keys over to the Lord. You see, the devil don't even have the keys to his own house. My God's got them. I'm he that is dead, but is alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and the grave. My God's got the keys in his hands. My God's got the keys for your miracle. My God's got the keys for your miracle. The devil's bluffing you, friend. The devil's scaring you. He don't have the keys anymore. My God's got them in his hand. And somewhere in there, I don't know where it was at, but somewhere in there, the Lord, after he got the keys, pushed him in the ground and put his foot on his head and crushed his skull into the ground. And now every time you say Jesus and faith in God, the devil reaches for his aching skull and says, oh, my head, because he knows he was a defeated foe. Don't you dare let the devil tell you that God cannot heal you. Don't you dare let the devil tell you that God cannot answer your prayers. Don't you dare let the devil tell you that you can't have victory because I'm here to tell you that Calvary and the tomb and that day in hell guarantees you positively, absolutely victory in Jesus. Some of us are walking around like underprivileged children, like orphans on the street begging for some kind of morsel for our belly. You don't have to go begging around like some kind of sloppy beggar. You got a daddy that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And if he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, somebody says he owns all the taters in the hill. And if he owns all the taters in the hill, all you gotta do is ask him to pull out a steak dinner, T-bone and hot potato. 
and you can have all you want because my daddy owns it. You don't have to go around under privilege. You don't have to go around like an orphan. You can go around like a king's child with a miracle in your hand. Somebody needs to get a hold of the throttle and believe God for a miracle. And then not only does Calvary guarantee you a miracle, but there's that one word that unleashes it all. And all of hell becomes chilly quiet. And the devil stands it all when you say that name. Because there's power in that name. One pastor, he had been working a long time on his aunt to get her to come to church. She was rich and sophisticated and well-to-do, wealthy. I mean, she had lots of money. And he had been working a long time to get her to come to church. And finally, one Sunday night, she came. And he knew because of her sophistication and her well-off finances that she had that she wasn't going to put up with a lot of nonsense and so he sang songs that nobody would get excited over and uh, he picked just the right people to testify that knew that they wouldn't get too fired up so nobody would get out of the way that night and insult his rich sophisticated well to do aunt but there's one little old lady there. She always. <laughs> regardless who was testifying, who was singing. She always was on her feet doing something. And she could come up with the craziest testimonies. And she jumped up and she said, Brother Bog. She said, I want you to know you didn't ask me to testify, but I want to. She said, you know, it's just me and old Bessie that lives on our farm. And she says, when Bessie gives milk, I can sell it and pay the bills. And when Bessie don't give milk, I can't sell it and I don't pay my bills. She said, and the other day, Bessie got sick. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. And I had to pay some. She said, you know what I did? She said, I put my hand on the head of that old cow. <laughs> and I said, in Jesus' name, would you heal Bessie? And let her give milk. And she said, you know what, Brother Bull, glory, hallelujah. Bessie gave the best bucket of milk she's ever given, and I paid my bill. Yeah. On the way home, Brother Bull got the question of his rich, sophisticated, well-to-do aunt. said, how'd you like service? She said, well, it's all right. What did you think of it? It was okay. No, really, tell me. Be honest. I can take the truth. Tell me. What'd you think about it? Well, you, you really won't know. 
said, that little old lady with the book said, oh no, here it goes. She said, I liked her testimony. She said, there's got to be something to your church. If anybody can have faith in God for a cow, there's got to be something to your church. Friend, I want you to know my God can heal anything from cats to cancer. My God can heal anything in the book. If it's the motor on a refrigerator, God can heal it. If it's a stuck valve on a motor, God can unstick it. I don't care what it is. When you call on the name of Jesus Christ, my God will hear and answer and heal and move because there's power in the name of Jesus. I was in Nebraska here a little over a year ago. Brother Wasman called me here a few months ago and he said, you still coming? I said, yeah. He said, we're having great weather. I said, I know, just wait till I get there. We'll be having bad weather. My wife told me today, according to your face, so be it. And I'm going back in the same kind next week. But I pulled my trailer in there and my truck broke down. It was three weeks in the garage. Chrysler went on strike. I couldn't get the parts for the truck. Not only that, I borrowed a car to go to another place for revival and I came back to the trailer. And when I got back to that trailer, that thing was froze up. I mean froze up. You couldn't get a drop out of it. I ran hair dryers every place I could run them. And I couldn't get those pipes to, to thaw out for nothing. I finally, this is no lie. I turned every faucet on in that house. 29 feet of it. And I put my hand on the faucet in that bathroom. And I said, Jesus, you know, Lord, that we got to have water tonight. It's midnight, and God, we got to have water. Lord, in your name, would you throw out the pipes and let water come? And while I was speaking it, while I was saying it, all of a sudden, splash in the kitchen sink. Water started coming out of the faucet. Water started coming out of the bathroom faucet. Water started coming out of the bathtub faucet. Friend, I want you to know that there's power. I said there's power. I said there's power in the name of Jesus. Look at that mountain and say in Jesus' name. Look at that problem and say in Jesus' name. Look at that discouragement and say in Jesus' name. Y'all don't have no place to go but Sunday school tomorrow morning, so let's just have a little fun. Is that all right? Would you say that name with me? Jesus. Say that name. Jesus. Do you believe that that name drives away every force and power that would come against you? 
Would you answer me after each question with that name? Let's practice. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. God can heal cancer. Jesus. God can heal leukemia. God can heal ingrown toenails. God can heal migraine headaches. God can heal ulcers. God can heal heart problems. God can take care of refrigerator motors. God can take care of car motors. God can take care of tires. God can take care of unpaid bills. Oh, yes, he can. Jesus can do all things in the name, 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 in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, 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 pull back on the throttle and go on through the wall that's held you bound. Pull back on the throttle and go on through the wall. Yeah, some of y'all are getting it. Some of y'all are getting it. Some of y'all getting a hold of it right now. Some of y'all getting it in you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Hey, John. That old crippled man still at the, t- the gate today. I know. Do you think God can heal him? I know God can heal him. Alms. Alms. Hey, look, buddy. I'm just a poor old preacher. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising the Lord. And when Peter was questioned about it, Peter said it like this. And faith in his name hath made this man whole. Whom you see and hear, faith in the name will do it. Somebody needs to get a hold of some now faith tonight. Quit dropping your pennies into the wishing well and start believing God. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. You shall. Let's praise him. There's not a trouble or care the good Lord can relieve. Oh, he is just the same today. All you have to do is trust and pray and believe. Yeah. You must be. Yeah. If you. You better get rid of that coat. You're going to be illegal once you get to the Lord. You better get rid of that coat. You're not going to need it once you get to God tonight. Oh, he is just the same day. All you have to do is trust and pray and believe. 
you must believe. Yeah. It's yeah. Trust and believing. You shall receive. Trust and believing. There's not a trouble or care the good Lord can Oh, he is just the same today. All you have to do is trust and believe. Yes. You must believe. You must believe. Not a trouble or care the good Lord can relieve. Oh, yes. he is just the same today. Yeah. All you have to do is trust and pray and believe. If some of y'all turn you loose right now and start believing you God, you could leave here with a miracle in your life. Calvary says so. His name says so. If you would ask and believe and start acting like oh. you are. You can leave here with a miracle in your heart right now. All you have to do is trust and pray and believe. Yes. You must believe. Yes. If you believe. Yes. You shall receive. That's it. Come on, mama. Believe me. Come on, daddy. Believe me. Come on, young person. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in the word of the Lord. Trust him right now. Trust him right now. There's not a trouble or care the good Lord can Oh, he is just the same today. All he had to do is trust and pray and believe.
dare you to pull back on the throttle. I dare you to get your hands on the throttle. I dare you to go through that wall. I dare you to put your foot on the pad and watch the door swing back. I dare you to act like you've already got it.